When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and I have a good episode for you guys today. I have an email from a guy that I'm going to call Bear. Bear is my Florida redneck name for this individual because I don't use their real names on this podcast. And to say the least, I have met my share of bears in my lifetime, not just the animal, but people actually named Bear. People name their kids Bear, believe it or not. Bear writes, Ryan, my man, love your podcast. I'm your typical noob. I'll spare you the repeated noob story. However, as a new guy, I love your encouragement to stick with it and not quit after a bad trade. This is refreshing given the negativity in the world today. Your guidance on risk management has saved me a ton of cash, like a lot. Having a plan to get in, stop that loss, take profits along the way, etc. Amazing. My problem and my first question as a noob, I don't know how to scan for stocks. That sounds horrible. No, it's not really that horrible, man. Most people don't. Perhaps it's a basic skill, but somehow I've skipped over that learning lesson. Can you give me a brief overview of how you scan? Appreciate you being gentle on me, but I do appreciate a good roasting. So hit me in the podcast if you like, LOL. It's funny, the emails that you get, you can actually kind of tell their age based off of how they write. Not like the exact age, but their age range. I'm going to guess that Bear is a millennial. No offense to millennials. I was verge of being one, maybe even Gen Z. I don't know. He says, my trading plan and my second question, once I look into finding a stock that shows decent positive trend, resistance support and fits my trade size i'll open a position using a good oco trading plan i.e entry on a confirmed bounce off of support stop losses at support or three to six percent below and tapered limits for one third position for gains along the way final limit being just under my resistance trend line i'm getting stopped out a lot though question is is there a better way to determine the stop loss i'm getting stopped out a lot due to volatility p.s i only trade like one position at a time usually Equities between $10 and $50 so I can have reasonable size to the positions that allow me to take profits along the way. Any suggestions on that play? My bourbon recommendations are Branch by Wild Turkey and Breckenridge. Sincerely, Bear. All right, before I get to answering Bear's lengthy email, good email too. What am I drinking? I am drinking actually something by Wild Turkey. It's Wild Turkey 101. That makes it 101 proof, so that's 50.5% alcohol, which I always like the ones that are about 50.5%. Now, I got this one because I'm trying to find out already a replacement for Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. That was my go-to for old fashions after Knob Creek became obsolete. Nine-year Knob Creek, you know, in the handle size, almost impossible to find. And if you do find it, they're like jacking it up to 60 or $70 now, and I'm just not willing to pay that much for it. So the Evan Williams was my next one. You could get a 
handle on that for like $28. Now I can't find that <laughs> anymore. So I'm doing a handle of Wild Turkey 101. And my next podcast, I'll actually do a review on Wild Turkey as being used in the old fashioned. But for today, I'm just drinking it straight. Wild Turkey 101, it's got some pine taste to it, but it just comes in hot and hot, which is good for the old fashioned. That's what I want. But when you're drinking it by itself, man, it's hard to swallow, man. I'll just say that. That's what she said. But I shouldn't say that. Okay. In any case, it's very hot. There's no like sweet taste, smooth taste, or, you know, unique taste to it. You drink it, it's hot. And then when that finish, it's hot too. So there's just no relief when you're drinking. Now, is it necessarily bad? No. A lot of people are into that stuff. They like that fireball tasting whiskey. And this definitely has some heat to it. Scale of 1 to 10, I'm probably going to just say like a 5.8. That's about right. So 5.8 for Wild Turkey 101, mainly bought for making old fashions. We'll do that one in the next podcast episode. So going back to Bear and his questions, he talks about his problem being how to scan for stocks. Now, I actually have a course that I detail that in which I provide many hours worth of tutorials, but I will give you a little bit of a general understanding for it for the sake of this podcast. And one thing that I would say is, as a trader, if you're going to do technical analysis, you're going to have to go through a lot of charts, regardless. Regardless if you have really good scans, you need to put eyes on charts. You can't just rely on the scans. The scans are really good, but it's important to put eyeballs on charts. I mean, you think about it like from a war standpoint, right? In most cases, yeah, you can do a lot of work with the technology and you can do a lot of work with, you know, drones and air raids and everything else, right? But eventually, if you're really going to make some progress in a war that you're fighting, you got to put boots on the ground, right? So that's kind of, I don't know, maybe not the best comparison, but in essence, if you're going to make progress in your trading, you got to look at the charts, man. you got to get eyeballs on those charts. So when it comes to scanning, one of the first things that I like to really do, and I think this always helps out a lot of traders, is to make sure that you're putting parameters in for stocks that you don't want to trade. So for me, I don't want to trade penny stocks. I don't want to trade stocks under $10, really. I also don't want to trade stocks that have low volume. I don't like to trade individual biotech names. So all of these are factors that I include in my scans. I don't want to trade stocks that have a beta less than one because there's just not that much price action. If I'm going to include those in my scans or consider them, I might as well just trade SPY anyways because it'll have a better return and more volatility to it. So scanning for the stocks that you're willing to trade, meaning putting parameters into your scans that will exclude the stocks that you would never want to trade under any condition. Also, I think it's important to have a must-watch list. That's what I call it on my TC2000 trading platform. I have a tab that says must-watch, and in there, there's about 150 to 200 stocks that I'm regularly watching on a daily basis. If the stocks are moving, I want to know what those 150 to 200 stocks are all doing. I can't remember the exact amount that I have in there, but those are going to be stocks like your FANG stocks, Stocks like Tesla and DraftKings or Boeing, Bank of America, JPM. A lot of the stocks you're probably going to find on the S&P 500. But there's a good representation of all the different sectors of some energy companies that I enjoy trading like Halliburton or Schlumberger and Hess. A lot of tech stocks, software companies like Splunk, Adobe, Square, and stocks that are just very popular for the moment here. That might be like a GameStop or an AMC. So having that list too to go back on because those are very big names that oftentimes provide some 
really nice trade setups and stocks that I'm actually familiar with just trading with over the years. And most of your platforms have built-in scanners in them. You know, you have Finviz that a lot of people use. I hear a lot of good things about Finviz. They're really good at providing scans for you. TC2000 has scans. I know that Thinkorswim has scans on it. So there's a lot of platforms and a lot of your brokerages that already have scanners for you. Some are better than others, but they do have scans on them. So they're worth checking out to see if it's something that meets your needs. If not, maybe going out and buying a, you know, a, a software that you pay like maybe 50 bucks a month for, or maybe less. Maybe you can get them for like 20 bucks, depending on what kind of system it is. But it doesn't hurt if you're going to do this long term to invest in a good scanning system. But like I said, most of your charting platforms have that built in. Now he goes on in a second paragraph to talk about his trading plan where he's getting stopped out a lot. Is there a better way to determine a stop loss? Well, he mentions that he puts stop losses at support. I don't think you want to put them necessarily at support, but below a key support level. So if you got a lot of support at $100, it doesn't do you any good to put the stop loss right at $100. Better to put it at like $99.75 or below it to where, okay, if it breaks the support level, I know there's a clear break there and that the stock is trying to take the next leg lower. What you also don't want to do is just say, I like this trade setup a lot. There's not a good stop loss nearby, but I'm just going to place my stop loss 4% below wherever I get in at. So you can get in at 100, put your stop loss at 96, and think that, okay, at least I'm keeping the risk tight. But it's not a good trade setup because there's no nearby support that you're trading off of. And the other good thing about trading with support nearby, if it's a breakout, if it's a bounce play, you're also making sure that you're getting in in the beginning of a trade move instead of in the middle or towards the end where the trade is less likely to do well. Like you take IMPP of late. The stock has gone from like a buck up to, I don't know, it was like $9 or something crazy a share. And then it came crashing right back down. Now, you can trade with a tight stop loss on that. You could get in at $8 and put a stop loss 3% below it and think that that's going to be good, but there's no nearby support. It's a crazy trade to try to take with a 3% stop loss. And the more than likely outcome is, is that you're going to get stopped out. So you want to make sure that you're getting into a trade with nearby support underneath because you're also making sure that you're anticipating that bigger move rather than waiting for the bigger move to happen. And then you're getting in and putting a stop loss at a place that doesn't make sense, but thinking that's okay because it's only a three or 4% stop loss and it's not okay. And there has to be a justification for where you're putting the stop loss at. Now he talks about how he takes it, you know, a third of a position here and there as the stock increases in value. That's good. I like to oftentimes try to get my profits as close to that two to one return for what I'm risking. That's where I like to start taking profits. In this market right now, I've been a little bit more aggressive just because the market's so unpredictable. So at the end of the day, if I'm short the market and the market's been selling off for multiple days at a time and it's really struggling to push much lower, then I'll start taking some of the profits off the table right then and there because I know that oftentimes an imminent bounce is right around the corner. And that's exactly what happened with me just the other day. I mean, QID, didn't really want to take some profits off of it. I wanted to let it run a little bit longer, but I also knew too the market was down four straight days. It was struggling to establish a new lower low on the daily charts for the NASDAQ. So on QID, which I was long on, hopefully I'm not making this too confusing, but I was long on QID, which is a two to one inverse of QQQ. So when the Qs go down, QID goes up by twice that amount. So I started, okay, I wasn't like two to one at that point. I was like 5% up, but I started taking profits right away. Now, this is a question, too, that I'm getting a lot of about being stopped out a lot in this market. 
that's not surprising considering the market that we're in. We're in a very difficult market right now. The market's selling off on a regular basis, and there's still this urge in a lot of traders right now to continue to try to buy the dip, or if they see a good trade setup, to buy that trade setup, even though the market is very difficult to trade to the long side on right now. Yes, we've had some good rallies. In fact, while I'm recording this, the market had its best day since June of 2020. So there is some amazing rallies. The problem is the market's having a difficult time holding on to those rallies. So between June, because this will help people who are listening to this like many years in the future. So for right now, between January of 2022 and March of 2022, very difficult market to trade in. Very difficult. And if you're taking long positions, you're taking positions against the market's overall trending direction. So you can play the bounces a little bit. You got to be very, very aggressive with it because those bounces aren't lasting long. But any long position over this period has been against the overall tide of the market. So you're like a fish going upstream at that point. And it's worth mentioning as well, I've passed up on a lot of good trade setups. Every single day I am passing up on trade setups. Some of them I'm glad that I passed up on them because they didn't work out that well. Others, eh, I might have wished I would have actually pulled the trigger on them, but that's in hindsight, like some of the energy plays, I wish I would have taken a stronger position on, but I didn't. But overall, I'm passing up on a lot of good trade setups. You can have good trade setups, but it's not the right trade for the type of market that we are currently in. It's like when you have a market that's doing really well and you got your tech stocks trending higher and you got your financials and your discretionary trending higher, a lot of people might not be looking at utility stocks. So even if a utility stock is setting up really well, that might not be the best time to be taking advantage of that trade when the market has a risk-on mindset. And another point too, trade less in this market. Trade less. Make these setups that you're taking as close to perfect as possible. Make sure you're trading in the overall direction of the market. I know not everybody likes to play the short side. And if that's the case, sometimes you have to sit out for a period of time and wait for the market to provide better opportunities down the road. We also have to get out of the mindset of thinking that we have to time market bottoms or buy in every single rally. Most rallies I have not participated in this year. I've participated in probably the majority of the sell-offs, but avoided most of the rallies to the upside. I have made some trades to the long side, but most of them I have sat out on because I don't want to fight the market. Yes, the trade could be good the day that I get into it, but the next day, can it follow through to the upside? There's a good chance that it won't because the market has struggled so many times to hold the gains from the day before. So being cognizant of the market that you are in is important. If you were employing the trading strategy in 2020, that you are right now, it'd probably be a lot more successful because the market was so forgiving and there was such a impetus to continue to go trend higher day after day after day that you would experience a lot more success as a result. Also, focus on the sectors that you're trading in. For most of 2022, energy has been a really good sector, so trying to play the pullbacks there and the setups that are presented to you from the sector pulling back and individual stocks, look for those opportunities. Materials is another good one. But tech has been a disaster. Discretionary has been a disaster. So you want to avoid those. And finally, he says, I like to only trade one position at a time, usually equities between $10 and $50, so I can have reasonable size to the position that allows me to take profits along the way. Any suggestions on that? Well, I mean, I don't like to put all my eggs in one basket, so I can't get completely in line with what you're doing there. Now, I would say this, that if you're trading like in thirds, basically all you need is three shares of a stock in order to, to get out in thirds. I know that doesn't sound sexy or exciting when you only have three shares of a stock, but in a zero commission environment, that's okay. You can get away with doing that. So don't worry about how many shares that you have of a stock. I mean, 
as of today, Amazon has announced a 20 to one stock split. Everybody's excited about it. I could care less. I could care less if I have 20 times the amount of shares or if I have shares that are priced at $3,000 a share. I just don't care because, and I'm not trying to sound mean about this. What I'm trying to say is, is that the number of shares you have doesn't amount to additional gains. Where you get your gains is based on from a dollar amount is how much money you have in that stock, how much capital you have allocated to that position. If it's Berkshire Hathaway or a square or a 10 cent penny stock, it doesn't really matter if whatever amount of money you've put in that stock, if it's a fractional one, even 5% is 5%. So don't get caught up in how many shares that you're able to buy. If you can buy three of one stock and three of another stock, I don't know how much money Bear is trading with here, but just because it's a small amount of money that you might be trading with doesn't mean that you can't manage the risk all the same. And so I don't like the idea of putting all your eggs in one basket because in the end, you want to be trading, even if it's a small amount of money, like it's a lot of money. You want to grow that capital no matter what the amount is. So the takeaway in all of this, number one, when you're trying to do scans, make sure that you're keeping a must watch list. Okay. This can be like anywhere from like 50 to a hundred or even 200 stocks. It can be commodities. It can be futures, whatever, whatever you're trading. Make sure you have a list of stocks that you feel like, okay, these are the ones I want to keep up with on a daily basis. Second thing is to make sure that you're incorporating into your scans the stocks that you would never want to trade no matter what. Okay, for me, like I said, it's stocks under $10. I don't have much use for those. Low volume stocks, I don't want those. I usually want stocks that are trading like four or 500,000 shares each day, at least. The more the merrier. And finally, trade less in this kind of a market. Don't think that the stop losses will be just as frequent in terms of how often they're being triggered in a volatile market versus a very bullish market. So in a very volatile market, you are going to have more stop losses being hit. So you got to trade less and trade more precise and look for the best opportunities possible. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to leave me a five-star review. I greatly appreciate those. And shoot me your emails. I don't get enough emails from you guys. Brian at SharePointer.com. I will read them and I will put them on the podcast. So keep sending them to me. I'd love to hear from you guys, see what you guys are struggling with. And make sure to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com where you can get all of my stock market research each and every day. Man, this stuff is awesome. It's the best that you can get. You're going to get my watch list. You're going to get my market updates, updates on all the FANG stocks, and the charts and trade setups that I find the most interesting. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Thank you guys, and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at SharePlanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Mm-hmm.